Episode 40 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. Make sure to visit us at our website at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com and send us an email at uh, cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Or don't. I think the don't is sort of the norm of the day because we don't get many emails. You know, I was listening to a, a new podcast uh, this week, another one of the myriad of film podcasts out there. Oh, our and- competitors. I, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't think, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of competition going on, but... Um, <laughs> Worthy competition, maybe. Uh, it was, they had, a, they, had a neat, they had a neat setup, it's called the B-Movie Cast, Okay. and uh, they have a like a 1-800 number. Oh, really? And then like the last 20 minutes of the show is just playing people call in. Oh. About, uh, about like the topic of the podcast and give their... Interesting. I don't that, know. Maybe that that threshold is lower than writing something on a website. I don't know, but that means they have they they got to have way more listeners than us. Uh you know, I don't really know. I haven't uh, I haven't listened. I only listened to one of their podcasts. I got a couple on my uh, my phone ready to play during the week. But uh, interesting way for, to get feedback. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, or leave it. You can leave a comment on our website, yeah. which people have occasionally done. See here. I remember we used to uh, call one eight hundred numbers for fun, just to see if oh, we yeah, get used stuff. To do that all the come time. up with funny names. Yeah. Right, what do we get? Like one eight hundred dead sex. Got what was that? Dead sex. <laughs> just, wow. Well, I didn't come up with it. Somebody else did, but that's a good one. It? I think it was somebody's law firm or something. <laughs> but uh, anywho, there's the, an idea for feedback. This week, our film is. Uh, the 1954 Godzilla, uh, the original. Well, we, you watched both, but there was an original re-release of uh, Godzilla or Gojira, which is Japanese uh, <coughs> pronunciation. Um, that was, uh, I guess, released 50, for its 50-year anniversary in 2004. Yeah, I think they finally. They, this is the first time they really released the print with proper subtitles in the U.S. market. Uh, there was a 1956 version, which you also saw, Godzilla King of the Monsters. That's which, the one you saw as a child, and what most people would be familiar with as the first Godzilla film. Because it is the first Godzilla film that was released in the U.S. Correct. And so it had a pretty early American audience, surprisingly. Uh, I mean, I grew up on Godzilla movies. I never uh, saw it as a kid. Sort of a Saturday afternoon, like KSTW fair. Yes, it's pretty violent. Well... Uh, I mean, I, I actually looked at all the Godzilla films that are out there. Mm-hmm. There's over 27 Godzilla films, uh, just to name a few. Uh, Godzilla versus Mothra, which is, I think, one of the more famous ones. That was an Ishiro Honda. Yeah, Flowers for film. Godzilla. Flowers for Godzilla. <laughs> uh, Godzilla's List. Uh, hey, Godzilla's List. Oh, right. yeah. Godzilla's Sin Choice. Red Godzilla. That's right. <laughs> Uh, the monsters are just ridiculously numerous. There's uh, Godzilla versus the sea monster, mm-hmm. uh, Godzilla versus Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, uh, Godzilla's versus Hedora, Godzilla versus Gigan, Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla, which is probably one of the more famous. Godzilla, Godzilla Dark films. of the Moon, Godzilla, yeah, Godzilla versus Transformers. Hey, that'd be you know that'd be a good. Uh Person to direct a Godzilla film would be the uh, Transformers guy. What's his name? Michael Bay. Yeah, Bay would make a pretty good uh, Godzilla movie. There was a terrible uh, Godzilla two thousand. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was one of those uh, R- Raoul Emmerich, one of those sh- one of those shit features that he does. Those big budget Emmerich. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with Raoul Ra- Ra- Emmerich. Raoul. Get- uh, hold on, I don't know if I'm getting that right. It was the one uh, that starred the murderer Matthew Broderick. Oh, there was a Godzilla film with Matt, the murderer of Matthew Broderick. Yeah, 1998, uh, uh-huh. Sony TriStar released an American remake of Godzilla. Hmm. Uh, it was a financial success, was ultimate failure with critics and fans. Uh, well, that's then that, that doesn't count as a failure. And Emmerich actually admitted to never really liking the original Godzilla films. So, uh, hmm. you know, that kind of, I guess, shows in the filmmaking when you uh, make a... Make a remake of a movie that you never liked or despised or whatever. Well, you know, you can still just go in there as a, you know, treat it as a professional endeavor. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Well, so Godzilla movies, I I, I was trying to think of of what the the attraction is. Well, of, of... 
I'm not. I'm not particularly attracted to these big monster movies. I, as a kid, I loved Godzilla just because I I had Lego sets. I used to make Legos. Godzilla and, Legos? No, I used to make like uh, you know little like little Lego towns and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then I would walk around and like kind of kick over my buildings and stuff. Oh, really? Think I, you know, like if I was Godzilla, I could, you know. So there's some sort so of you identify with Godzilla. Some sort of childlike attraction with uh, thinking you're a giant monster and just destroying a diorama of miniaturized, uh, you know, miniaturized city. Well, you know, size is something you play with in your imagination as a child quite a bit. Uh, The other part of Godzilla movies are the models. I think the models, the scale models. Oh, God, there is so much wonderful model work in this movie. You got, like, basically model trains. The whole city's all models. Yeah, it's all a scale all models. models. Right. All the stuff with the guy in the giant in the suit, it's all models around it. And it's pretty fun. I mean, you, you, there's I mean, you know, with uh it's pretty obvious they're using models. They're not yeah. fooling anybody. No, well, of course. Because I, you know, the the water is too viscous and the flames are too large. To me though, as a kid because and the things don't have the proper weight. Right, but as a kid you know, your world is kind of models. Like, all your toys are basically scale modeled. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're Hot Wheels or Playmobil or Legos. Yeah. So, there's sort of this attraction as a kid to just models. And so, yeah, you know, it's a big rubber guy in a suit destroying a scale model. But that doesn't, for me at least, it didn't seem to matter. It was just sort of fun. I, 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 I thought it was just nice seeing all these great models. And they did some really nice detail with... Internal structures of the building, so it sort of looked more like a building. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed watching the model stuff. I mean, there's a quite an extended sequence with the long teardown of Tokyo by yeah. Godzilla, where there's a lot of models that get busted up uh, and I, model cars, and uh, it's pretty cute. When I was uh, a kid, my friend Pat and I, and uh, around Fourth of July, we would uh, take all our like. Uh, I don't know, like uh, testers, models, and GI Joes, and then we used to uh, strap explosives to them and blow them up and stuff. And yeah, so there's some classic. sort of uh, uh, joy in just destroying scale miniatures of crap with explosives. You ever use? You ever uh, make buildings out of old styrofoam packing material and no. burn it with fire? No, they really burn. It looks really neat because they sort of melt. Yeah, big and black, black plumes of smoke. Of yeah, and you get sort of wonky in the head from breathing all the fumes. All right, so let's do uh, Godzilla's plot. Uh, there is a plot, strangely, to Godzilla. Oh, I mean, I think it's got a pretty, pretty nice little plot. I mean, they spend quite a bit of time on the characters. I mean, there's only so much Godzilla destruction going yeah, on. Yeah, you in can't this movie. just do like an hour's worth. Well, of... it's not a Michael Bay film. Yeah, right. Doesn't... I mean, I don't think they. I think they were hard-pressed to do the special effects they did. Uh, Japan is thrown into a panic after several ships explode and are sunk. Mm-hmm. At first, the authorities think it's either underwater mines or underwater volcanic activity. Yeah, that's the going proposition. Going theme. The authorities soon head to Odo Island, close to where several of the ships were sunk. One night, something comes onshore and destroys several houses and kills several people. A later during ex- a hurricane. During a hurricane. A later expedition to the island led by paleontologist Professor Kyohei Yamane, his daughter Emiko, and young Navy frogman Hideto Ogata, who also happens to be Emiko's lover, even though she is betrothed to D- Dr. Daisuke Serizawa, soon discovers something more devastating than imagined in the form of a 164-foot-tall monster whom the natives call Gojira. Now the monster begins a rampage that threatens to destroy not only Japan, but the rest of the world as well. Can the monster be destroyed before it is too late? And what role will the mysterious Saizawa play in the battle? Yeah, Saizawa is a pretty interesting character. He's a dark, sort of a dark horse. Well, he's a man that's been injured during the war. He's got a terrible scar. He's missing an eye, and he's got, you know, sort of a scar prosthetic on one side of his face. He's pretty dark and brooding. Yeah. Uh, And he's sort of a mysterious character for a long time until you finally get to see him in in the third act. Right. Um, (coughs) I guess some production. There's quite a quite a lengthy production history here, but uh, uh, Godzilla was a movie that was basically uh, uh, hatched from sort of an emergency of production. I guess they needed to uh, make a 
film Toot Sweet. Um, so they had planned, uh, the producers had planned a completely different film, but apparently whatever that was had fallen apart. Uh, so, was it supposed to be an action film? Uh, not sure. Mm. So uh, the the I guess the studio demanded a film, any film, within a short period of time. Uh, so the producer, uh, I guess, had heard of there's a incident called the Lucky Dragon incident. So we always think of uh, Hiroshima Nagasaki as the only times we've irradiated Japanese civilians, but there was actually a third time. Oh yeah, I do remember vaguely this. It was a bikini. I think it was on Bikini Atoll. Uh, it was a basically a misfire of a hydrogen bomb. They. It was a misfire, or the lucky well, dragon what they was had done course. was that they were experimenting with um, you know, what do you call it? Where you start packing? We well, pack hydrogen around a, a, a typical like uh, nuclear device, and you get more yield from the hydrogen, basically fusing into helium and releasing all that energy. Mm-hmm. But you can also pack heavier elements like lithium. Okay, and so they were packing. Uh, I guess the outer shell of the bombs, like lithium six and lithium seven. Mm-hmm. And they, the math, they did the math wrong, and they didn't expect as much yield out of like oh, the lithium-6. So they got a huge yield out of uh, the lithium catalyst. Uh-huh. And I think Big they were only... Burst or something? They were only supposed to get 6 megatons, but they ended up getting 15, uh-huh. which is just... You know, oh, and their perimeter wasn't big enough. Right. And so what happened was uh, one of these kind of deep-sea fishing vessels, the Lucky Dragon, was... Uh, at the edge of the actual perimeter. And got irradiated. And uh, so these fishermen... Uh, I think one died? I don't know how many died. I heard that one died and the rest survived the uh, uh I don't know the sickness. details of, mm. of the actual incident. I think I heard that somewhere. So that scene in the beginning where you see this big flash underwater... Yeah, you see the brightness. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of, a, uh, I guess, inspired if, okay. from that incident. Mm. That's where the the uh, the story. I I don't remember the names of the people behind the scenes, but they had actually contracted some sort of writer to write a story, and then that story was adapted to the screenplay. I think right. So I, I don't remember the characters involved in that, but that uh, was the impetus. Yeah, and and uh, there's a great movie called the. I think it's called like uh, actually Shatner directs it. I want to call it the Atomic Bomb movie or something like that. It's but a documentary. It, yeah, it goes through all the nuclear tests from. Trinity all the way up to whenever they stopped in like 1963 or something like that. Okay. And it's interesting because the tests keep getting crazier and crazier. Well, how big they are? They ramp them up. Uh, I think the last test was an atmospheric test. I think it was called like Triton or something like that. The last test was atmospheric, not underground? They sent it. Well, you can only do underground nuclear now, testing now. I see. The last above ground test. Yeah. And they sent uh, like an like a Minuteman missile or something into the stratosphere mm-hmm. and and detonated it mm-hmm. and uh, the fallout I guess drifted around the world and it was just getting fucking crazy they were just okay. going ape shit with nuclear testing well, the, the, the yields were getting pretty high too yeah and uh, they did a lot of this out in the Marshall Islands there's a proving ground out there um, where I you know they were kicking Native Islanders off and Blow the shit out of it. Sounds about right. Yeah. So, uh, Bikini Atoll was one of those. Mm. Uh, so, anyway, the, the, the sort of idea that you can, I guess, uh, jar some some sleeping dinosaur from his uh, yeah, some aquatic hibernation. dinosaur. Yeah, uh, with that, and then uh, he'll get pissed off and and come ashore and wreak well, devastation. That, I mean. There is uh, where Dr. Uh, Yamane tries to explain... I mean, after they go to Odo Island and they, they see the actual beast, they run into him. And, uh, and uh, Yamane comes and does a, uh, you know, basically a PowerPoint presentation for you know high government officials. And strangely, some members of the public. Oh, the journalist community? No, there's also some women there. Oh yeah, like who family are members from screaming about from, the truth. I think it's from like the family members of all the sailors that lost because they lost like what fifteen or more boats. They talk, they discuss it. He talks about that there's a niche down there. Cause remember, he tries, he finds a uh, like an aged uh, insect that's uh, oh, it was the it was the trilobite. Yeah, that somehow came up. So there's like there's like a 
it didn't make much sense, but like deep in the ocean, there's uh, some Jurassic zone. Yeah, there's a zone that still has all those species living in it, way down deep, including Godzilla and these small yeah. insects. And, uh, yeah, it's like the Paleolithic uh, island at the top of the world. You just yeah, have, like these, something uh, happened where like the radiation got down <laughs> to that level and disturbed, and that's what caused. Uh, and and Godzilla had been exposed to huge amounts of radiation, basically drove him mad. Well, Godzilla, the idea was Godzilla had been driven, had been become crazed. By yeah, the well, he had become, uh, and then he, he he developed some superpowers. Yeah, like the radiation breath. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, so he had yeah. been he had been perverted by the radiation and, and drawn out of his uh, hiding place. But it's weird. The uh, the old man in Odo Island talks about their old tradition of sacrificing. Uh, yeah, maidens uh, to Godzilla. Godzilla's a bit of a. Yeah, so he got uh, the idea that maybe he did come out every once in a while. Poorly thought out myth slash uh well okay so he's 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 a bit of a um i'll get back into the production here but uh, the origins of godzilla godzilla is like a, a reverse fisherman he he comes out of the sea to eat human beings and then he comes back he goes back into the sea after he's full at least yeah, that's what you it, get it, from the myth uh maybe a little bit you know the movie's not really real consistent about that i think some of the early screenplays was that was the motivation of godzilla was feeding but I think in the movie, it's more that he's crazed by the radiation. He's yeah. just gone nuts. Sure. And yeah. it's more about destruction. He's not really coming to feed. He's coming to destroy. So the, I think that the movie sort of moves away from that feeding idea, but I think that's probably a more, dare I say, plausible explanation. Uh, so um, so there's the inspiration with the, uh, the Lucky Dragon inst- incident. The monster bit came from... Uh, I guess was inspired by a 1953 movie called The Beast from 2000 Fathoms. Mm. Uh, I don't know what that movie was about or what the monster was in it. Uh, interesting thing is 20,000 Fathoms, I was trying to do the math, a Fathoms about six feet. Mm-hmm. So 20,000 Fathoms would be 120,000 feet deep, which is uh, beyond the, the depth of the ocean anywhere in the world. Oh, okay. I think you can well, get 30,000 feet. That's pretty deep then. It's ridiculously Must silly. Be some cave or something. Somebody wasn't doing their math. Gotta get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Pun intended. All right. So uh, originally, the uh, the the special effects director was going to make uh, Godzilla a giant octopus. Oh, he was. Yeah, oh, that'd, that'd be pretty good. That'd be tough to animate, though. Well, you just is that a... the main reason they decided not to do an octopus? Uh, I don't know. The, 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 the um, stuff to get a man. Well, the into thing an about okay, so the, uh, you can put make him a tetrapus. Tetrapus? Yeah. A five, oh, like a hand? Just a four. Oh. Oh, is Tetra five? No, four, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Penta is, is five. A pentapus? Ooh, Penta, that sounds ooh, exciting. Yeah, that's pretty naughty. <laughs> so, uh, a giant octopus, octopus was going to be the, uh, I guess, was the original idea. That'd be but, pretty cool with computer animation. You know, I was thinking uh, octopus it would be, it'd be very Cthulhu-like, very HP Lovecraft. Yeah, so there's a lot it of tentacles be. going on in HP Lovecraft. Yeah, that'd be an interesting movie with the uh, elder gods of the sea I'd coming make, out you better to go with uh, the, wreak havoc. Better go with the pentapus, though. Yeah, actually, you know, another thing about it, Godzilla is very uh, Lovecraftian in its origins. Yeah, the, the deep one. Yeah, all yeah. his, all of. I doubt there. Do you think Lovecraft might have inspired things? Who knows? I mean, I'm sure they are paying attention to the Western world. I mean, what is this? this is 1953? Uh, Give or take. Japan, it's full occupation mode, Japan. I don't know if they were like spreading the, the, the gospel of H.P. Lovecraft around at that time. I don't think it's... Uh, it's probably coincidence, but it, it is a little bit Lovecraftian, because like, all of Lovecraft's gods like live in the bottom of the ocean, uh-huh. and somehow they got there, and they're dormant. You know, They've been yeah. dormant. And they're awakened the, by some of it, and they're just full of just evil. They're evil There's not malignant. much point other than to destroy and consume. Which is what Godzilla does. Yeah, that's that's, that's the point in and of itself. Right, destruction yeah. is the point. They're nihilistic gods, yeah. Yeah. and it's the whole mythos of H. Lee Lovecraft is um, creepy because it's so uh, ambiguous. That's one thing I always liked about H. P. Lovecraft is that uh, the motivations of the elder gods aren't exactly well. well it's known. just that we are so insignificant. The, it's unfathomable what their motivations are. And so there's like, always the spider a, who I smashed in the basement yesterday. 
what emotives did it ascribe to me as it died? Uh, I, the only reason I killed it is I didn't really want a spider in my basement. Yeah, I do that too. I throw because the spider is so insignificant, it's better I just destroy it than have it be there. There you go. And that's sort of tough to fathom that there would be a being that has the same feeling about you. And uh, yeah, Cthulhu of uh, of 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 spiders. Or maybe it's unfathomable because there really is no reason other than just annoyance. They're annoyed. The elder yeah. gods are annoyed. Ah, it's just sort of annoying. Uh, it's such a minor expenditure of effort to destroy. The uh, monster design went through several variations. Uh, I guess the, the one of the first ones was going to be a uh, hideously dispor- disproportionate ape-like creature with a mushroom-like head. Oh, did you uh, did you watch the extra featurette on the DVD? I did. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Is that a note you took from that, or is that somebody else talking about? It? That was pretty creepy. The drawings of the, the original head. drawing. Well, Gojira is a hybrid word in Japanese. Is it whale. It's a cross between uh, the word gorilla and whale. Uh, so I'm assuming that gorilla isn't a native Japanese word because gorilla in Japanese is a gorira, which is that sort of uh, that 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 mm. R L R substitution that you get with Japanese. It's not that unfathomable. I mean, they are both mammals. Whale is uh, Kujira, so um, combining those two words, you get Gojira. Oh, okay. Which, uh, it's not based on an actual myth. I didn't get that anywhere. No, it's not. It's actually some myth that they co-opted. Because a lot of times you see that. You see actual myth co-opted by these. No, these Godzilla is, uh, is, is a myth unto itself. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so it went through several iterations of, of design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they settled on basically a cross of a uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, a Guanodon, and Stegosaurus. Yeah, I thought it worked pretty well. Mixed with a little well. bit of a fire-breathing dragon. Well, they're sort of limited in the fact they were going to use a, a suit, which I guess hadn't really been done before. Yeah, the suit... So you, you're sort of stuck with, you have to have a, a puppeteer inside. So there's so the, some limits on what you can shapes you can use. So here's the deal with the suit. Uh, second, Sub. Subaraya, I got the guy's name wrong. Uh, I, I didn't write down any of the names of the production uh, the director. Uh, he was uh, he wanted to basically do a monster film in the vein of the original King Kong. Yeah, he, I mean, the, just from the special uh, featurette that was included on the DVD. He, and and I mean, the, he was a he was a filmmaker, and he wanted to emulate the great films of the time. Right, and so uh, all those films were done with the stop motion technique and scale models. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't have that much time because to do that kind of a film, you would need months, if not years, to do all that stop motion animation. And yeah, that's be... what they said. It just doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, it didn't take years to make King Kong, did it? Uh, who knows? Yeah. I, it, it's challenging. You got to do that sort of. You know, you got to do the you stop imagine motion. Imagine the model destruction too. You'd have to. You couldn't just film it in real time with the models crumbling. You'd have to animate. Yeah, the crumbling of the buildings. Boy, that'd be a lot of work. So it'd be too. It was too costly, too time-consuming to yeah. go that route. So the next step was to do the monster suit with the scale model of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of nice because the scale ends up being pretty big compared. To, you would if you were doing a stop-motion animation, you wouldn't use a six-foot-tall Godzilla model. No. You use like a foot-tall Godzilla model. Yeah, but this way everything's so the buildings are bigger. Maybe it actually makes it look better because you, you're. Upping the scale sixfold, a uh, hundred and sixty-four foot tall monster, whatever that scales up to, um, six six. Well, they're Japanese, so five five foot divided well, I think the into. Well, was about six feet because the head was on top. The head of Godzilla was on top of the head of the actor, and he so looked like through the neck. Foot. He looked yeah. through like perforation, like holes in the neck. Yeah, but until he fell unconscious. Yeah, that was uh, that was. You watched that featurette too. It was sort of interesting because mm. the suit was when they first made it, it was like uh, way too heavy. Mm. Um, then they redesigned it, and it was down around two hundred pounds. And so they put some dude in the back, mm. and there's no ventilation. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, hardly any way to move around in it. Other yeah, than I guess sort it of shuffling. Like, it was like basically just rubbing their skin raw. Uh, and uh, they were in a hot studio. Mm-hmm. You were encased in a foam rubber suit, and yeah. like the temperature was like 130 degrees. So the actors could only be in the suit for like 15 minutes at a stretch. And there's that great picture in that little featurette where there's a passed out Godzilla in the middle of the Tokyo street. Cause he oh, because it fell over. Yeah, he fainted. Well, I thought, they, I thought it was because he had tripped up because it was so tough to animate the suit. 
Oh, I thought it, it was that he passed both. out because they were talking about the the actors passing out, and there was this <laughs> great picture of a splayed out Godzilla in the middle of a Tokyo street. I like the shots where they took the first suit, which was too tough to animate in whole, and they cut it in half, and the guy was wearing just the bottom half. With the yeah, suspenders. that was pretty funny. So they, they, for they, some of the close up shots, and you can sort of because the two suits looked quite a bit different because the materials were different, but they spliced them both in the film. Yeah, there's that great picture. It's a a, a a, like a skinny little Japanese guy like in a tank top mm-hmm. and he has suspenders on mm-hmm. and he's wearing basically Godzilla pants uh-huh. and he's stepping he's on foot up because he's crushing something yeah he's like crushing something <laughs> and you know they only zoom in on the lower half yeah. of him oh, that, was, that was a well they surely got the most bang for the buck out of their production costs yeah because they only made the two suits uh, they had dabbled around with uh, doing this film in color um, yeah. but they found that using the cheaper black and white film, they were able to enhance special effects because you didn't see all the wires, um, all yeah, that kind know, of all detail. The, the wires were sort of invisible nicely. And the, the black and white helped mask the wires? I don't yeah, I think the contrast is, I guess, poor in black and white. and you're, uh, you're okay. able You can sort to, of match it in. You don't have to worry about colors. Well, uh, and, and the other thing is... is yeah, I, I thought some of the wires, especially on the model jets that were shooting uh, bottle rockets... All the, you can hardly see the wires they were running on. It was pretty uh, nice. There, and and all of Godzilla's attacks are done at night, so you get um, you get some more of. You don't have to do that broad daylight. Oh yeah, except for, the, except for the one Odo Island daytime. Yeah, he just raid. pops up over the hill though. <laughs> That's the first time you see him. It's like what? The first time you're going to see him, he was actually going to have a, a, a dead cow in his mouth. But oh. They thought that would have been too disturbing, so they nixed the cow. Yeah, and then that totally just. You never see him feeding, so I, I mean, it seems like they dropped the whole feeding idea completely. From yeah, it kind of leaves, and then he just goes. But they don't into talk a, about it, the feeding, except for maybe the old man on Odo Island. So maybe, yeah, Godzilla was more of a passive uh, creature of the deep. He'd just come out and snap well, on people. I think maybe the, if you believe the old man, that maybe he would come up every once in a while to feed. But in the events of the film, he's just crazed by radiation poisoning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the night night black and white helped the helped the film special effects out. Mm. I, I uh went I on to, some of the night shots were really convincing because I mean a lot of the movies back from that time you can just tell it's daytime shooting with the stop down on it. So it just was everything sort of darker, but you still see the shadows like it's a super bright full moon. But I thought it looked really nice. It looked very convincing as nighttime. You got Because things of, looked really dark and it looked like maybe it was a cloudy night. Got a lot of silhouetting with the flames. Yeah, and, uh, I, th- I thought the nighttime shooting was really convincing. It may have just been that filmmaking had matured and the film stock was good enough to catch Godzilla night- catch Go- nighttime in a more believable Godzilla way. Godzilla actually wasn't green in the original Godzilla film. He was a charcoal gray. Um, where but, is he green at? Is well, it in the newer films? if you go to one of those because twenty-seven yeah. films I just mentioned that uh-huh. are all the Godzilla uh, sequels. Uh, he is green in, in those, uh, you know, he starts showing up, but it's color then. You know, they start filming in color in the 60s. Oh, and they make him green. Yeah, he's green. I actually watched, uh, just for curiosity, on Netflix Instant, there was uh, Godzilla vs. Uh, Monster Zero. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of fast-forwarding and looking at the fight scenes. And, um, oh, sorry, because they have, like, these duke it out. Yeah, so scenes. it was oh. like, I didn't quite get the dynamics, but Monster Zero is like some winged, like Stegosaurus or uh, Pterodactyl, and yeah. uh, there was the three-headed m- monster Ghidorah or whatever his name was was there, and um, Godzilla, and they're all fighting each other. And I don't really know, have, like beam weapons to counteract the atomic breath of Godzilla. <clears throat> uh, Godzilla's not really breathing on him; he's just like winging house-sized boulders at him and stuff. He's more of a professional wrestler. Yeah. So uh, I was watching it, and it's great, because the, the, the dioramas in those later movies were, you know, huge, like giant film sets. Of, it looks like a model train set just gone on overdrive. It's mm. just, like, all gigantic. And uh, the monsters are just running around, like, destroying little-scale Japanese villages, and it's all in color. <laughs> and they had ironed out the uh, Godzilla suit. So, so it was working Godzilla's, pretty well. Godzilla's basically doing, like, kung fu shit in his in his suit, and they might have had, like, wires helping uh-huh. him, you know. Uh-huh. But, yeah, totally. It was, like, he's, like, doing kicks and all kinds of crazy oh, really? shit. Yeah, yeah, they got like a, a total action suit for Godzilla yeah, almost, in the later movies. It almost seems like it'd be too bad because 
part of the stiffness of the actor, you get the feeling of the size of Godzilla. Well, because things can't move when you're so big, you don't move that fast. Yeah, injecting a little bit of uh, uh, physics into Godzilla. I thought I thought that approximated a more realistic physical structure of Godzilla that he would in fact move slowly. Well, just based on the sheer size. If we're looking for sort of any analogy, when whales get beached, uh-huh. they tend to suffocate fairly quickly. Yeah, uh, because the weight their of body. their girth on their lungs and their rib cage is so much that they're just basically suffocating yeah. slowly on the beach yeah. uh, from the weight of themselves. Mm-hmm. So if Godzilla was a water-born creature and he stumbled onto land, he probably, uh, you know, his muscles wouldn't, it's it's silly, he wouldn't obviously be able to walk around at all. He didn't swim, though. He walked on the bottom of the water. Yeah. He was a, he was a bottom. I don't think he... Well, he must have swam a little bit because he does come up to the surface. I don't know. Yeah, his, his physiology is not uh, terribly convincing from a uh, scientific standpoint. Doesn't really matter. But I did, I did like the slowness of his movements. Well, and they sl- they did everything in slow motion, so they slowed down. Oh, really? They had they would have had to. Like oh, for when the for the models falling yeah, apart. Yeah, it's things. been a big trick of scale model uh, uh, filmmaking is you slow. They ran the film, the film down. a little fast. Uh, yeah, okay. Because, uh, obviously, you know, if things drop from a certain height, regardless, mm-hmm. I mean, we know this from Newtonian mechanics, that they... They, they have a terminal velocity. Right, so you can't have things dropping faster than they actually would, so you have yeah. to slow down the film oh, okay. to make it realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty nicely done. Uh, let's see, what else about the production? Uh, we talked about the suit. Mm-hmm. Um, the... I don't know if there's really much else to 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 be said about uh, the making of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of the models were actual models of Tokyo buildings. And Tokyo must have been like newly built because it got, got totally destroyed during World War Two. Yeah, it I mean, didn't. It got burnt to the ground. Yeah, well, I think uh, Tokyo was basically made out of wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to World War II, and so when uh, we firebombed the shit out of it, the whole city just caught fire and burned to the ground. Oh, it got burnt to the ground multiple times, I think. Yeah, uh, the interesting thing is we always think of like Hiroshima and Nagasaki being uh, kind of the sort of the most devastating attack. (laughs) The most terrible destruction that Japan faced. But we were like incinerating 40 to 50,000 people each each time yeah, we bombed we were, their cities. Firebombing had been, worked, had been worked into quite a science. I mean, the only major city that wasn't burnt to the ground was Kyoto. Yeah. And that was only not burnt to the ground because the guy who worked for the Air Force or whatever. Curtis LeMay. Was that him? He, he, like, he had been there once. He went on his, like, his honeymoon to Kyoto. So it was a real nice city. He decided didn't not want to, to burn incinerate it. it. Didn't want to burn it down. It's pretty nice because it's one of the main cultural cities of Japan. So. I think actually Robert McNamara Because they were going to burn it down was the, I guess if you want to call it, firebombing engineer. So he picked targets and, and where to bomb. But Curtis LeMay was the uh, uh, general, Air Force general, responsible for uh, the whole the Japanese final. air attack. Yeah, so uh, between the two of but them... But pretty much and, every major population center was firebombed in Japan. Yeah, and firebombed, not just bomb, but firebomb with incendiaries. So Yeah, you get, you get the result is very much like a nuclear... Weapon explosion. Yeah. So uh, without the radiation sickness, all uh, the burning and the death. Yeah, a large scale uh, firebombing of Tokyo was uh, as devastating as the nuclear attack. And everywhere. And everywhere. Yeah, it wasn't just uh, Tokyo. It was pretty much every any city population of center got it. Uh, so uh, when this film was uh, released, um, <laughs> the Tokyo Journal called it uh, uh, grotesque junk. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, actually, uh, yeah, because what they thought they were doing was uh, exploiting the devastation from World War II. So, uh, well, I mean, some of the scenes reminded because what it was only like eight years or something. Stra- so every, yeah. everybody's uh, feelings were still fresh in their head. Could you imagine, like, if uh, I guess it would be like now? I mean, obviously, there's no equivalent to the the amount of uh, destruction that we. Uh, uh, levied upon Japan, but I guess like you'd have a monster movie now, or uh, yeah, he knocks down the uh, 
the new uh, World Trade yeah, Center like, building. Yeah, he just punches it and like you know it, yeah. it collapses exactly yeah. like the. Yeah, uh, he's got a fire punch, so he punches the building and fire blooms out the other side. Yeah, and then the new World Trade Center crashes to the ground. And then you got people. people, people and then be, you got people jumping off yeah. the top of the skyscrapers. People would lose their shit if somebody made a movie like that. Well, and that's basically what happened with Godzilla. Yeah. People were uh, oh, we're burning Tokyo to the ground. Just it hadn't even been ten years since we rebuilt the goddamn city. Yeah, and, and you're uh, already burning it down and fixing. Yeah, I'd be sort of pissed. The thing that's interesting about I guess there was one part where they actually uh, there was a there was a cinema in uh, yeah. Yeah, in the, uh, in Tokyo, and the, this film was actually screened there. So people were in that actual cinema. Oh, and then they watch the it film, gets destroyed on the outside. Watching the model version of that cinema get destroyed. That'd be pretty awesome, actually. That'd be pretty meta, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the thing about Japan, I was trying to think about Godzilla in sort of the broader context, is uh, Japan is, I've heard it described as uh, the first po- post-apocalyptic culture that we have on the planet. Because they, the, between the nuclear bombings, they are sort of post-apocalyptic. Yeah, know? I mean, maybe Germany a little bit the same way because it got smashed. But the whole A-bomb thing is... Yeah, uh, the A-bomb is really the icing on the cake. Is that it, really that was really the keystone? Because not only did you have the total destruction, which maybe Germany saw as well, but you have this sort of almost science fiction supernatural element yeah. kicking the balls right at the end, just uh, to really cement the idea. And Japan has a, a ton of this, if you want to call it a meme, about um, the A bomb. Like the movie that comes to mind is Akira, where you get you know, uh, sort of that giant. You know, destruction of Tokyo once again. Uh, it's giant fireball that consumes the whole city, and I forget the context of it. Uh, and so, the, you know, the movie set in Neo Tokyo after that. Mm. And so, there's this whole kind of vein of of, of uh, apocalypse in Japanese pop culture. It seems. Yeah, you wonder. I think it. I think maybe we've gotten beyond that in Japan. I, I think that maybe we're, this is more of a. I think this more petered out more in the the 80s. I think that the newer generations are so far removed from the war. Well, that, that may be uh, the case. That's not really an issue, especially when you see the, the rise of of uh, nas- the re-emergence of nationalism in Japan. I was thinking like how the Old West influenced American cultural identity. We talked about this in previous podcasts. Uh, you know, sort of the cowboy type mentality. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess I mean. And so I, I'm thinking about Japan and World War II, how it may have uh, I, influenced. It's probably an essence still there. You're right. Yeah, just like there's an essence of the self-made uh, man in the U.S. because of the you know huge opportunity. Right. That was afforded people for all those. those so I don't know if it's I don't know how it's kind of manifested culturally in Japan, other than these sort of um, I guess like. Think movies like Godzilla and Akira, the whole post-apocalyptic yeah. kind of mindset. But maybe it's sort of this idea of uh, uh, things aren't uh, permanent; things are ephemeral. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how it's reflected in the modern creative class. You know, it's usually people in their twenties or thirties do their best work. I don't know if, if there's if that's still being still being discussed any longer. Well, I've watched like Good you question. know you, you watch like Japanese uh, anime quite a bit, and, and I. I I don't know of any the mecha anime. A lot of a lot of robots going on in Japan. Yeah, I mean, I guess since I'm getting a little older, I mean, all the stuff I think about is from the the 90s at the latest. So I don't know what's been going. There's on always the like last robots 15, like fighting 10, in the middle of a years. Japanese city, blowing shit up. Like the cities are always just getting laid to waste, and 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 a lot of this stuff I've seen uh, pop culture wise from Japan, especially well, you like see the, it in the anime. US too. Independence Day and all these sci-fi post-apocalyptic mo- uh, TV shows. I suppose you see. Right. I mean, it's a classic meme. I, I don't know how much you can really ascribe to the to the destruction. At least right now. I mean, this movie you certainly can ascribe to that. But what things are being created now? I'm not. Sh- I just wonder how much echo of World War II is really there. I mean, the vets are dying, just as as the World War II vets are dying here. There's not that many left. And this is the same thing in Japan. So Godzilla, <laughs> it was maybe too soon. Uh, the, yeah, I could see where people would be a little pissed about it. Uh, the, but basically, maybe it was popular in Japan because of it was it filled sort of a cathartic niche, uh, kind of ascribing the 
I guess the um, or destruction of their country and kind of I, uh, uh, codifying it into a monster, like an, uh, an atomic monster. Yeah, uh, maybe giving it a face, giving the destruction of Japan some kind of a uh, monstrous face that um, that everybody could rally behind symbolizes sort of because there's sort of an impotence, the evil. Uh, there's sort of a impotence uh, that comes with after you've been beaten in war, um, you really don't have an enemy any longer. Yeah, because you've been totally. Well, dominated. we've never experienced conquest because we've always. Well, we've lost wars, but they've never been of uh, the yeah, consequences. Been skirmishes more yeah, they haven't been of consequences where we our culture is upended or our civilization is upended. But places like Japan, where um, they they were truly conquered, conquered yeah, in 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 not only uh, physical terms but actually uh, their whole political structure got political torn structure. Um, they're a conquered people. You know. And uh, we've never had to experience that. Well, you so, sort of have to remake yourself. Yeah. Japan certainly did that. Oh, yeah. In short order. Right. Uh, um, so, I don't, I don't know if, if that really hit chords like that in Japan. It might have. I guess it's tough to say. I, I didn't look around to see what, what people's, especially Japanese people's thoughts were. Uh, especially so, you need to find it translated on top of everything. And the critics hated it in Japan. Uh, yeah, I could I could understand why they would leave a bad taste in your mouth. But it 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 uh it was uh popular at least people went and saw it. Um and uh obviously it spa- spawned uh, a gazillion sequels past that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it just ended up being a money maker just like any action movie franchise. Sure. It was in the Michael Michael Bay kind of film mm-hmm. of its day, I guess. And once, they, once they got the machine worked out, you could probably sort of print money with the franchise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just like, you know, uh, who, you come up with another monster Godzilla's going to yeah, fight. Just, just crank them out. It was always weird because uh, I hadn't seen the original Godzilla when I first started watching Godzilla movies. And so Godzilla... So were you, a, were you a little surprised when you put it in your... Uh, put it in your... Uh, DVD player and Raymond Burr didn't pop up on your screen? I, I, I was, because, uh, no, I knew that I wasn't getting the Raymond Burr version. Uh-huh. But well, I Were you surprised it was the same film that had been recut into the Ray, Raymond Burr version? I don't remember much. Of, you you watched the Raymond Burr version Yeah, I watched well. that too, because uh, I ended up checking this movie out from the library. and uh, I guess when it was released in 2005-ish, uh, it came in a double disc set. It had the 54 original version and the... So what's recut. the big difference with the Raymond Burr version? And well, the, the Raymond original. Burr version, it's actually a rather ingenious move. They put Raymond Burr in there as a foreign journalist that just happens to come in the city. And he's uh, he's like sort of friends with Serizawa, Dr. Serizawa. But Serizawa is really busy. He just happens to come to Japan right as this tragedy is unfolding. And actually, uh, it starts out with uh, the, the big destruction of Tokyo. Uh, they sort of cut the two visits of uh, Godzilla to Tokyo differently, and so there's sort of two destruction uh, events. But anyways, it comes with starts with Raymond Burr uh, being pulled out from a rubble under a building. Okay, and then he goes and uh, meets Emiko at the hospital. Oh, so they actually got the Japanese actors to? No, no, they did. They did. Uh, he had some uh, interactions uh, over the shoulder with body doubles. Where they had spliced some conversation scenes from the movie to make it look like he was talking. Like, there's one point where he talks to Emiko. Actually, he talks to Emiko and Ogata a couple times at the hospital, where it's just some scenes where you just see the back of their heads and he's yeah. talking to them. And he also runs into uh, uh, <laughs> Yamani in the hallway somewhere. But he never actually runs into Serizawa, which was the whole premise. He was stopping by Tokyo to visit a friend. He was on some international trip and he just happened through Tokyo and he was going to play a visit. And then he got caught up in this and started doing his journalism. So was there work. any scenes with Raymond Burr by, with other Japanese actors? Or? Well, they had brought some, they had brought some just Asian actors and he also had like a, an Asian translator. So he was at all the pivotal scenes. Uh, he just happened to be there because he was friends with, basically he was friends with the uh, Ogata family. So he okay. knew Serizawa, and he knew Ogata, and he knew Emiko, and he knew, uh, I mean, with the, I'm sorry, with the Yamane family, Dr. Yamane's family. He had been friends. I don't remember exactly how he knew them, 
but he was sort of an international journalist. What a mashup! That's and pretty so he just uh, ended interesting. Up being at every scene, and like he was on the boat at the end when they uh, deployed the uh, oxygen the destroyer. He was yeah. all bandaged up. So, anyways, the whole movie's actually told. Most of the movie's told in flashbacks. Like he go, he goes to uh, Odo Island uh, because there were some journalists there too, and so he's there when uh, uh, the daytime attack by Godzilla. And it's, uh, it's cut together really nicely. Really? And I guess the idea is that he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't drive anything in the story. He just gives you... His narration. A, he gives you somebody to identify. Basically, he's at the movie with you. Okay. He's talking about the movie, and they have... Uh, some of the scenes are dubbed, but a lot of the scenes are... Uh, especially the scenes that happen with crowds and public. The original Japanese is there, and the only interpretation he gives because... Uh, uh, Burr's always going around with his interpreter. So the interpreter will tell you what happened. Oh, uh, okay. And um, so, I mean, there's some extended sequences where Burr's not around and you're just following the characters around. Yeah, with, you know, it's... With it's, dub dialogue. It actually works really well. It cuts together nicely. It was a, it's it was weird because we do this a lot with the film. Japanese films and TV shows. Really? Yeah, uh, like uh, Robotech. Oh, where they, where they, where they took... Macross and some other stuff, and sort of weaved it together into the whole Robotech universe. Yeah, so they and the dubbing yeah, is different. I mean, the, Macross, the original Robotech series, was pretty much the original Macross series. Though they did work in some different series as the later Robotech series, uh, well, like Southern Cross was something else. The, uh, then there's Power Rangers. That's a, the pretty did good they example. Cut that? Power Rangers was a Japanese uh, TV oh, show. They, they cut the. Oh, they cut off. They had American actors come in to do the scenes where it was just that they were out of their outfits. Yeah, and they yeah. were dressed in sort of the outfits, and yeah. then for the action sequences, they, they used would the just original accent, recycle the old giant. Japanese. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's a lot different than than our, uh, I guess, when British uh, TV and movies uh, we just recreate the whole thing. Where we just recreate the whole thing with Japanese stuff. It's we kind of take it and scramble it a little bit. Well, it's, I think it's just. Making, I mean, it's just the most efficient way to do it. Yeah. I mean, usually these production houses are pretty small. They buy the rights and they try to put out a product on the cheap and that uses as much, you know, they're just trying to make as much money off these. So you're products. saying, so, so that Raymond Burr version, Godzilla King of the Monsters, was actually fairly, uh, was fairly good. It was, I thought, for it was, what it was. I thought it was very similar. Some people dog it. It's a little shorter, which is actually re- sort of nice because the actual Gujira movie is sort of long. Yeah, well, you it's, get the, it's actually it's a little it's a little it's a little slow. You get the, the it could be paced up a bit. The the love triangle, if you want to call it that, with Emiko. Yeah, I mean, they're sort of since I watched them both yesterday, they're sort of mixed up in my head a little bit. Right. So I mean, they cut. I mean, it's like twenty minutes shorter. The Burr version, plus it has all the Burr shots. Wow, that's only it. like an hour and fifteen minutes. So then. they they cut out. They cut out a bunch of Japanese stuff, and they just shortened everything up and just made it more succinct. Yeah, I mean, some right. people dog it because it uh, doesn't talk as much about the whole radiation aspect of things. Yeah. But I, I didn't really give a shit. I didn't think it was that important. Well, okay, so you're really just watching. You just want to watch Godzilla rip shit up, and that's kind of why you're watching the film. Maybe. Yeah, and it sort of cuts out some of the love triangle stuff. It's not really there. Uh, I it, I thought I thought I had the main points. I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was a fine version. I thought it was a really <laughs> nice little bastardization. I think that yeah, that love triangle is like it needed a little bit more story. Is maybe what they well, thought. Well, the when idea they did that it. Emiko was engaged to Serizawa and uh, but she'd actually fall in love with Ogata. They, I don't think they were lovers. Yeah, I I, I was thinking yeah, but he was of like a, a friend of the family. Yeah, you know. It was fine. The whole idea of the oxygen destroyer was sort of far fetched. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you, if, and you're if, right. The series I was a little dramatic with his eye patch. If you can rub two chemistry textbooks together, you can find out pretty quickly that uh, ox- oxygen destroyer making some kind of a liquid uh, it splits oxygen and makes a liquid out of it. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was, it's sort of foolish. Um. You need, they needed something, though, to yeah, so there was the love subvert. triangle. I was thinking of Titanic, because that's I mean, a disaster really movie. Find... Titanic's a disaster movie that has a love triangle inserted into it for uh, drama's sake, because you just can't have... You have to have a story around the disaster. Well, there wasn't really much about the love triangle that was 
problematic. I mean, I don't think Serizawa, he was so Wrapped damaged. Up. I don't think he was really cared whether he married Emiko or not. Yes, there wasn't really and a lot of drama so there. I don't think, like, if everything had gone fine, I think Serizawa would have been fine in releasing Emiko from her betrothed state. He, he had bigger Ogata. shit to worry about. Yeah, he was... So, there wasn't really any tension there. It was just a reason for these different players who knew different parts of the story to get together. Yeah. So, it wasn't really any tension. I mean, I did enjoy Yamana's character. He had... Oh, man, he was very... He had a great expressive face. He's a great actor. I forget... I don't remember his name. I think he's in some other pivotal Japanese films of the time. But uh, his sort of... After he figures it out, and uh, he's excited about the scientific aspect of it, but he knows that all that's going to really can happen is Godzilla needs to be destroyed, and he's sort of he's just sort of sad about it. Yeah, he wants to re- study the he, whole rest of the film. He's just sort of sad. He wants to study Godzilla, and that look in his face where he knows he he would like to, but he can't. Yeah, and how things have gone so bad. Uh, I, I mean, it was sort of neat. You sort of feel for him. Other than that. It's not a movie about characters. It's, it's a little bit, a little bit anachronistic. It's sort of an older film, and I think we expect a little more emotion and real feelings from characters. And I think this is oh, where the it was film, more, uh, the film dates itself maybe to a certain extent. More uh, melodrama. Yeah, I don't know. It, as I said, the movie was a little slow, and so. I'm with you. I don't know. It just wasn't that exciting. Well, I, how much... I mean, you really have to watch this film as an interesting piece of film history. Not, I don't think you're going to grab some uh, 17-year-old kid off the street and show him this movie. He's going to lose his mind. No, no, no. Go, what the fuck, man? i got to go play some Call of Duty. Yeah, right. So this is this is strictly more of a... His, you view it for historical purposes. Well, and it, may, it had some ground-breaking uh, filmmaking that, had, that occurred out of necessity... Uh, with the kind of the monster suits and all that stuff, and yeah. and um, but nobody would be no dipshit kid these days would be entertained by this film. I didn't see the shitty Ralph Emmerich version of the the new reboot of Godzilla, but I, I was thinking if you did like they're they're talking about doing a reboot of Godzilla. I don't, I don't know. see why you couldn't. Well, I mean, if, especially with like CG, uh, you could CG the living daylights out of this. I. See, I was thinking about that, and I think I would be, unless they mixed in some models and dudes in suits, I wouldn't find, I wouldn't find a reboot of Godzilla worth watching. I love the suits and the little scale miniatures. I love I that mean, stuff. It could be done right, but you love it just sort of because it's a neat bit of historical. You enjoy it because of its historical aspect. But to make a modern film, it's not about you and enjoying the historical aspect. I'm always going to make a campy version of this. No, not a You don't have to do be a campy making a, one. A good, somebody, they'd try to make a good action movie. If it was a great action movie, well, then you probably would like it. Let's if it talk, wasn't, you probably let's just, talk about, have disdain for it. I guess what I would call an effective modern version of Godzilla, which is uh, the movie Cloverfield. Have you seen Cloverfield? Oh, God, have I seen it all the way through? It's sort of done where uh, it's all found footage sort of bullshit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I've seen it. It was sort of neat, I guess. I thought it was good. I liked it. I enjoyed yeah, it. It's been a long time. I think I maybe saw it on Showtime or something. And I guess it wasn't that memorable for well, me. Well, it did some effective things. Uh, it sort of was a, more of a small-scale look, which was sort of nice because it was all shot from people's perspective. There was no long shots of the yeah. monster. Were there any? Uh, no, you get was it, was it. A lot of these found footage films, <coughs> a lot of the film was found footage, but they also do establishing shots that they cut in. That would, if you're going to say this is found footage, it doesn't make any sense because they'll do like a, a, an established shot, a master shot of the situation, and it, it's effective because it gives you some perspective, like in any film where you have a master shot before you go in close. But the Cloverfield had no master shots. It, it was, it was, it strictly was found footage. Yeah. So you never really got your bearings, which is sort of neat. Well, sort of kept you off balance, I guess. Well, it was... Who did that movie? I want to say J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I think it was an Abrams film. Uh, the, the, but you, to do a reboot of Godzilla, you would almost have to... I wouldn't call it get, go, go gimmicky, but if you did like a, just a Michael Bay version of Godzilla, it'd be like the most boring thing you'd ever watch. Because you well, know what you're going to get. Michael Bay. But, but like Cloverfield was a nice kind of rejuvenation of a you know, giant monster destroying a city... Uh, you know, go- a la Godzilla. Yeah, it was pretty uh, much Godzilla type of film. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good, and I'm so I would to think that it. you could do that. But... Have we done the Abrams film yet? 
No. No, I'll have to think about that. Um, but I, 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 to to be into a new version of Godzilla, I, I need a dude in a suit and scale miniatures. I, I gotta yeah, have it. Well, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, nobody's gonna make that. You know, I did, I did actually see a bit of a uh, a uh, spoof called Cleavage Field. Cleavage which was uh, a similar porn line, version, but uh, yeah, it was one of those Skinamax type porn versions. Well, that was terrible. I was thinking Absolutely of terrible. of cult movies that we could do that are that are more a la Caligula. Oh, I got, I got one lined up, but you're not going to want to do it. Well, there was a, a '70s movie called Flesh Gordon. Ooh, that'd be a good one. And uh, yeah. uh, my buddy Pat's dad had it on. God, I want to say laser discs. Why would you have a laser disc version of Flesh Gordon? Laser dicks, Freudian slip. Uh, Why would you have it on Laserdisc? Well, I don't know. He did. He had he had Flesh Gordon. Yeah. And he had a progressive scan TV. We watched Flesh Gordon. You know, it, like it was one of these uh, summer days where the folks were gone and we were just screwing around. No, we were like ten, so we oh. weren't really into porn. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, so we watched it, and uh, yeah, the porn's pretty light. But uh, it's there's just tits and some ass. Uh, right? Yeah, I don't think there was any like yeah, hardcore penetration or oh, anything God, going on. No, 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 no. But the end was awesome because it's all like claymation uh, sort of monsters fighting each other. Oh really? And there's some really good yeah. production that well, went into it. Maybe we should it. do Flesh Gordon. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, there's yeah, a. I wonder if it's on Netflix. Netflix is sort of weird about its. Oh, I don't think there'd be any Flesh porn. Gordon. Uh, it might go. be because it is sort of a cult film. They'll put cult films on there. Pornos? Well, it's not really a porno. It's like a Skinamax type. No, this Flesh Gordon's porno. I mean, well, it's, yeah, I bet it's they, legit I bet, porno. But I bet they did a Skinamax cut, and I think Netflix might carry that, where they just cut around the actual hardcore pornography. It's pretty common for oh. movies like that. To oh, be really? Okay. We still have all the claymation stuff on it. Yeah, well, we, we were into that part of it. We, we thought that was pretty awesome. Like, yeah. there's some, uh, uh, I don't know, some, like, half-ape creature and mm-hmm. some lizard, and they're fighting well, at the end Well, you try to find some porno store. I don't know if they even exist any longer. Yeah, they've I mean, pretty much gone the way of the... You just do it online. Buy it online. Gone the way of the video store. Well, you should buy Flesh Gordon. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get together. All right, write in, we'll kid. in kids if you want us to review Flesh Gordon. I'd uh, like to review Behind the Green Door, personally. Yeah. Well, you know, Caligula's... There's a black are, guy with a huge dick. <laughs> our most downloaded podcast... I know, it sounds, it sounds implausible. Black guys with... Nah, I don't <laughs> believe it. I think that's just... Uh, I think that's myth. I don't believe it. All right, so back to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you never so, saw Godzilla's genitals. I don't know. Well, there's Son of Godzilla, which is one of the Godzilla movies, yeah, so he, has, so he, he must have the ability to procreate at some point. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting. pretty awesome. I don't know. I think that might have been, was it, well, there's Son of Godzilla is one of these movies, but uh, I think it was maybe the Mecha Godzilla movie, and you get treated to little junior Godzilla. Oh, really? Yeah, he's this weird little green, looks like a green little was lizard. Was he only like 20 feet tall or something? Yeah, and uh, he he's like makes friends with some little Japanese boy. And you know how Godzilla breathes, like, radioactive gas over everything? He farts radioactive gas. <laughs> Not exactly, but he breathes out, like, smoke rings. Like, these really, like, uh, oh, really? anemic anemic smoke rings. Oh, he tries, and oh, so Godzilla's shit. teaching him how to, uh, you know, do his do his dragon breath, and he's... Uh, he hasn't he hasn't got it down yet. I think maybe it's Son of Godzilla, nineteen sixty-seven. Maybe that's okay. it. Well, yeah. Let's see what Ebra uh, had to say because I think he reviewed this when it uh, was re-released. in the two th- in two thousand four when it got released. And then uh, after that, let's just do our uh, our take home okay. about this film, what we really right. thought about it, and wrap it up. Okay. So here we go. Well, considering this is a review of the 1954 Godzilla, uh, he spends a lot of time talking about the 56 Raymond Burr recut. But anyways, let's just read some highlights from his uh, somewhat sloppy review. Regaled for 50 years by the stupendous idiocy of the American version of Godzilla, audience can now see the original Japanese version, which is equally idiotic. That's how he starts it out. Wow, okay. It's sort of a stupid film. It is. Uh, he says the film was made shortly after an American H-bomb test in the Pacific, uh, which uh, gave radiation sickness to a boatload of Japanese fishermen, yeah. which we talked about earlier. Um, but he warns people that this is not the movie you've seen. For one thing, it doesn't start Raymond Burr as Steve Martin, intrepid American journalist, uh. who helpfully explains, 
I was headed for an assignment in Cairo when I dropped off for a social call in Tokyo. Oh, it's right on the way. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Why is he going to Cairo? Fuck, yeah, I could have just said Beijing or something. Yeah. Um, so he, talks, he actually talks about the U.S. version quite a bit. He says, <laughs> The Japanese version is a bad film, but with an undeniable urgency. Undeniable urgency? Yeah, then he goes on to talk about, uh, you know, the dangers of H-bombs and stuff. Oh, all right. Sort of retreading uh, pretty uh, straightforward territory. Yeah, okay. Um, he talks about the production. In these days of flawless special effects, Godzilla and the city he destroys are equally crude. Godzilla at times look, looks uncannily like a man in a lizard suit, wow. stomping on cardboard sets. As indeed he was... And did, which I think is a little, it's a little harsh. I thought I thought the miniature sets yeah, were much looked, better than cardboard sets. Oh yeah, it all looked uh, it they all were, looked pretty good. The, the buildings had a structural integrity that really yeah they actually the were like hammering together yeah. the, the 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 post and beams and the drywall. Yeah, I saw beams. And, there was some inter, there was internal structure. Yeah, yeah, it was better than what he describes here. But he does say this was not say the art even at the time, and he says King 1933 King Kong. Had much more convincing special. Well, and we talked about the 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 uh, inability of the director to actually do that yeah. due well, to the time I constraints. Mean, the Japanese film industry has always had smaller budgets than the, the Hollywood. Oh yeah, yeah. So they even to this day, there's you know when you watch Japanese, and we saw it with Battle Royale, the special effects just aren't up to American standards simply because, I mean, their audience that they're Manufacturing the film for is tons is ton smaller than a U.S. audience. Sure, and so you, there's no guarantee well, of international sales. Well, that's probably why well. anime is more popular because you can do kind of crazy special effects because yeah. it's drawn, not actually filmed. And uh, yeah, anyways, in the next sentence, uh, Eber gets uh, character screwed up. Read this: When Doctor Serizawa demonstrates the oxygen destroyer to the <laughs> fiance of his son. Oh, what? Here he's uh, confused. Oh, he thinks uh, he's confusing he, Serizawa with, with Yamane. Yeah, right. When in fact uh, Serizawa is the fiance of Yamane's daughter. It doesn't make any sense. Anyways, uh, the super weapon is somewhat anticlimactic. He drops a pill in a tank of tropical fish. The tank lights up, and uh, the fiance it's screams. Like a, it's like a deadly Alka Seltzer. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's right. The Alka Seltzer destroyer. Yeah, uh, and somehow that's going to kill Godzilla. It was a little anticlimactic. Yeah, plop, plop, just, fizz, fizz. You know. Oh, what a relief it is to be rid of Godzilla. So he sums it up. Is there a reason to see the original Godzilla? Not because of its artistic stature, but perhaps because of the feeling we can sense in its parable about the monstrous threats unleashed by the atomic age. Which I sort of disagree with. I, I don't... I don't think it's rather... I think it's more exploitation than, than uh, some kind of a, a warning film. Yeah, I mean, the warning is so ham-fisted that, oh, of course there's a warning about people being danger well, of science well, and how, stuff. How about, how about just taking a drive through Hiroshima? That should yeah. be enough of a uh, reminder to the Japanese public about the dangers of uh, the atomic age. Come on. I really enjoyed the artistic stature of the film. The beautiful models and the, oh, yeah, the man that, in yeah, the uh, suit. I thought yeah. it was really neat. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> There are shots of Godzilla's victims in hospitals, and they remind me of documentaries about the Japanese A-bomb victims. And I thought those were actually somewhat... They tugged at your heartstrings a bit. There's some shots of kids, yeah. crying kids, and the hospital scenes. I thought, I thought those were pretty well done. And there's that haunting uh, uh, mother and child talking Cowering about... Cowering under the building. How they'll be with their father soon and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, this is a bad movie, but it has earned its place in history. And the enduring popularity of Godzilla and other monsters shows that it struck a chord. Well, it's like a classic B-movie monster film. I, I, I don't really even know if uh, it deserves any more um, accolades than that. And that's a pretty significant accolade. But you really, really have to appreciate it as a historical film. Yeah. Not okay. as an actual piece of modern entertainment. It's not a good movie. No. Yeah. Not so by any your stretch. take is it's not that great of a movie. Yeah. It's not. It's not. But... I I loved the special effects. I thought they were neat. And I thought I thought there were some occasional pulls at the heartstrings. By the way, the uh the uh, the Godzilla roar, which is uh, iconic in itself, mm. was actually done using leather gloves 
coated with some kind of resin mm-hmm. and then rubbing them on uh, double bass strings. Wow. And it using really a lot of reverb, great. reverbing uh-huh. it out. So if you listen to that, you can, you can sort of hear it. Uh, I'll have to go back to the opening of our show where we have some of that because it really sounds like an animal to me. It does. And it sounds so, like they took like a lion and some other stuff. And, but all it is is like a leather glove and resin yeah. and, and slowed and tweaked, you know, yeah. and, uh, affected a little bit. It's, it's, got, it's, got a, it's got a real nice uh, sound to it. Very, it sounds very natural. So just before they close this out, I remember I want to mention this just because, um, oh, I don't know why I'm mentioning it, but uh, when the tsunami hit Japan, and it hit Fukushima, and then all that radiation spilled into the sea. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's almost a little bit like life imitating art, because uh, if Godzilla was off the shores of Japan, that would have woken him up. I was just thinking if there was Maybe ever a time for Godzilla well. to show up on uh, the shores of Japan. Giant radioactive lizard coming out of the sea, mm-hmm. woken up by the uh, tsunami. I always, every time there's tsunami uh, news, like in Indonesia and Japan, I, uh, uh, in, I guess what's the right word, bad taste, always have that pixie song running through my head, wave of mutilation. Oh, no, I don't, what is that about, wave of mutilation? I don't know, it's pixie songs are sort of nonsensical, but I always think uh, of wave of mutilation, and I was like, why doesn't somebody like cut a YouTube video of wave of mutilation with some tsunami footage? Because they have taste. I know. See? Yeah. Well, there you go, man. Time for you to post it. Oh, think Put about the comments I would page. get. I'd be the most Put hated... It face- Put it on your Facebook page. You'd be the most hated man on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So, do we decide what we're doing next week? We're going to stick with the black and white element. Mm. Black and white, low-budget uh, element, and uh, we're going to review uh, Kev Smith's uh, Clerks. Oh, boy. Well, at least it'll be easy to grab a bit of dialogue out of there, because that's basically yeah, that's the only good thing the about the film. Is. Yeah. This is great dialogue. Yeah. So, um, and that'll be an interesting one because yeah. uh, uh, you can you can tap into the Kev Smith uh, uh, media machine and and pretty much get all your clerks' backstory and production history. That oh, you I want. guess I've heard enough yakking about it. Yeah. I so I, I listen to all that Kev it, Smith it'll, podcast. It, it'll make don't for, listen to him much any longer. It'll make for an interesting review because I want to kind of try to steer clear of that since it's been. Uh, uh, you know, he has probably about uh, 40 hours of Clerks history. Oh, he's uh, got hundreds and hundreds of hours of it. Uh, he's, I'm sure. He's, yeah, anyway, he's kind of milked it. But uh, we'll, we'll do that movie next week. And uh, until then. Bye-bye. <laughs>